Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams, so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Welcome to the Rest is Football question and answer episode with Alan Shearer and myself, Gary Lineker. Uh, Micah Richards is, is still in Las Vegas, but promises us he will be available for our podcast at the end of the week. You just stuck with Alan and myself for this particular questions episode. Shall we get cracking, Alan, straight away? Fire away. Big Meeks is hung over somewhere. I can guarantee that. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, from Sian Burke Brown. Uh, love the pot. Uh, thank you very much. The chemistry is infectious and helped me navigate some difficult months. Uh, well, that's lovely to hear. Can the three of you, or two of us on this occasion, uh, individually answer this, please? Out of your colleagues across the pundit and presenter world, who would you each have on your fiver side? Ooh. Well, you'd definitely be in my five-a-side, Alan. I'd have uh, Thierry Henry. We've worked with many times, of course, in World Cups and hopefully in the Euros. How about Cest Fabricas? Kino. Roy Keane's in punditry world as well, isn't he? Yeah, well, he is, yeah. You'd probably have Roy Keane in there. Rio Ferdinand, defender. Yeah. Yeah? You have to. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't argue with that one, yeah. In goal, who we're putting in goal? Peter Schmeichel or Shea Given? Well, I think Schmeichel probably edges that, but as good as Shea Given was. So I think we're there. So we got Schmeichel, Ferdinand. I think we've got, I think we've got about a seven, but no one's oh, no, counting. Yeah. No one's counting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, good question. Um, next question. Yeah. Frank Drummond. What's it like when you're involved in a last game of the season to win the league or be relegated? Everyone says they treat the week before as normal, but is that really true? Do you know what it is, guys? I tell you, you try and be as normal as possible, but it's impossible to be normal. It's you just <laughs> mentally, it's draining. You're going through every single scenario. When I was the manager at Newcastle, we went to Aston Villa on the last day of the season. So we travel down as normal. We get to the hotel. We have all of our food together and the players sort of disappear and go to bed. And I say to my staff, I say, we'll all have a couple of drinks just to try and uh, try and make it a little bit easier to make us sleep a little bit better. So we went to the bar and we had uh, no more than two drinks. And I go to bed at, I don't know, half 11, something like that. Get into bed. 
and go to go to sleep as normal. And I'm not. This is not. This is a really. This is a true story. At about three or four in the morning, I think I'm dreaming. I can hear noises, and I'm, I'm as the as the manager. I didn't. Even, I wasn't even aware this happened. But as a manager, you put into a suite. So I've got this. I've got this lovely. Um, suite in the hotel I've got a big lounge and I've got my bedroom which is sort of sectioned off and I, I'm, I'm awoken in, in, in the night I'm thinking am I dreaming here or what is this is this I can hear I can hear noises I can hear someone playing the piano in this I've got a piano in my uh, in the lounge of the uh, of, of the room I'm thinking I can there's someone in my fucking room here seriously <laughs> and, and then it, it stops so I think oh okay and five minutes later, I can hear people talking in my uh, in the room, and then I hear other things. So I sort of I sort of creep up. I'm thinking I did. I, I was a bit nervous and a bit scared, <laughs> and so I, I sort of look through. I'm not kidding you. There's a bloke and a woman on the piano, and the bloke's giving a woman one in my room. Is <laughs> <laughs> you? What? It's, honestly, I'm thinking, I swear to God, there's a bloke giving a woman one on the piano in the room. And I'm thinking, <laughs> do I scream? Do I shout? Do I, what do I do? I mean, I think, so I, I shout, I went, no, do me a fucking favour, mate, will you? Come on. <laughs> there was, honestly, they quickly got up and ran uh, sprinting out of the room. Was he out of tune? <laughs> he was definitely playing the right tune, that's for sure. <laughs> I've, I couldn't believe what was happening. It was a bloke giving a one on the piano in the room at three or four o'clock in the morning. They must have, they must have, I don't know whether they were members of staff in the hotel and they thought the room was empty or what, but I should have known then it wasn't going to go right in the afternoon of the game, didn't I? Oh, God, bro. <laughs> you imagine that when they oh, run out God. and they, they go home and they, te- <laughs> they tell everyone, you'll never believe this. We'll never believe this. <laughs> we were just having a bit of fun around the piano. Fucking Alan Shearer walks in. <laughs> oh, that's no unbelievable. No wonder we got relegated. Oh, God, blimey. Oh, God. Oh, dear. It came up straight away, though. <laughs> he did. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, how the hell do we follow that? Um, I don't know, yeah, yeah. From Steve Taylor. When you think of characters like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, are big characters with big egos a positive or negative influence in the dressing room? Do they help pull you through or do you just get annoyed with the overconfident people? Nah, that's what what make the game, aren't they? You need characters in the game and attitudes and all of that. I think that's what makes them players they are, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you agree? Absolutely, it's the players that, yeah. that that can't handle the pressure that that you have more exactly. of a problem with, I suppose. The worry no. about absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, the bigger, the better, and as long as the, as long Correct. as their football matches their confidence, I think that's possibly the most important thing. Correct, Mark. Well, lads, I'm an Irishman living in New Zealand. Uh, For Gary, for Euro '88 and Italia '90, what Irish team was better, and how shocked were you with the results? I think the 90 team was probably slightly better. I mean, they're only two years apart, so most of them would be the same team. So, I mean, obviously that's the era of um, of, of Jack Charlton, uh, bless him, who was an a, amazing character. Um, but they had so many good players in that, that Irish um, squad that I played against. They, I thought, you know, we were much the better side in, in 88, but obviously they they beat us on the breakaway. We missed a lot of chances, including yours truly. In 90, I thought it's probably 
slightly more even game. I put us ahead um, early on uh, and then Kevin Sheedy equalised um, with a, a terrific strike and probably wasn't much in that one, but they were tough, tough to play against. They played that like they were really physical. Obviously, they played very directly and um, they they were tough to play against and... They had a great team spirit, didn't they? You could tell that, yeah, couldn't you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, they 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 went, what, to the quarterfinals, didn't they? Played yeah. um, against Italy and only lost to that one goal. Um, but, but they were really good. They were not yeah. not pleasant to play against, I uh, hasten to add. <laughs> Next one. Here we go. Loving the podcast, gents. Oh, we're getting lots of nice mentions. Yeah. Uh, uh, much appreciated, too. Uh, with FFP uh, holding Newcastle's spending power back, if they were forced to sell either Bruno or Isak in the summer to allow further investment, uh, here's a question for you, Alan. Uh, which would you choose to go if you were in charge and why? Oh, come oh, on. That's a, no. You can't ask questions like that. But they might have to, you know. I know. I mean, depending, depending what happens, because I think those rules are going to be changed and changed pretty quickly because I don't, I, I, they just don't work and they're outdated. And I think too many are complaining that they're just not they're not right so um but if they didn't change then i would imagine newcastle would have to sell a big hitter somewhere along the line you wouldn't want to sell kimarish though would you no no he's got you know he's he, he sort of bruno gets the people you know and the people get him that's why he's got such a great relationship with them they see him as as although he's obviously not he's but they see him as one of their own and they they that's why they love him um so no i wouldn't i wouldn't want to see bruno sold he's a he's a fantastic player he's a really really top player so it would have to be isak yeah if these limitations um don't change and i suspect they probably will as well i think they'll you know, maybe double that 105 million thing. Do you think it'll become frustrating for players like Gimarish and and then it'll be more difficult perhaps to hold on to them? Uh, yeah, I get that because the, I mean, Olo Bruno came when Newcastle were in the mire. I mean, it was a brave decision for him to come to Newcastle. And I think that's why they sort of respect him as, as well because he came when when Newcastle were pretty crap, to be honest. So, yeah, because he'll want to go on, he'll want to compete, he'll want to try and win things. And if Newcastle aren't able to do that, then, yeah, I, I see I see a time where, for his own ambitions, that he'll want Newcastle to get bigger and better and keep improving and he'll want to challenge for trophies. So, yeah, I think I think if those rules don't change, then players at clubs who, who want to get bigger and better will see themselves going to, to, to do different things, yeah. Following on from that, Alan, another question for you from Hayley Carter. Uh, as Alan believes Jose Mourinho is amazing, would he like him at Newcastle or is he happy to stick with Eddie Howe? <laughs> well, he is. He has, he's, he's, he's had an amazing career, Jose. I don't think anyone can say that. Um, where he goes next, uh, I'm not sure. But no, I'm very, very happy with Eddie Howe and with Newcastle and the job he's done and the job he's doing. We're on a roll for questions for you, Alan. Um, Sam Northwood, does Alan remember being in the movie Goal, which the young Mexican player, Santiago Munez, it was filmed around the mid-2000s and used different locations in Newcastle for the movie, including the training ground, pubs in the area, and St. James's Park. What was the filming like, and what did it involve as himself and other players had parts in the movie? Were you in that? I played a tiny, tiny part, was, yeah. I have to say, it was a crap movie. It wasn't the best, no. It wouldn't have won any awards, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we had the actor come in with us and uh, train a couple of times and what have you, but no, he wasn't uh, He wasn't very good at football. But it was definitely not winning any awards, that film, that's for sure. Was he better at football than you are at acting? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was He was shit at football and I was even <laughs> shitter at acting. <laughs> I tell you what's weird about. I mean, obviously, I've done millions of adverts and, and and been in a few things like Ted Lasso and stuff over the years, and Bend It Like Beckham. Acting's a weird thing, particularly I would say when you're playing yourself, because suddenly when you're playing yourself, you don't feel like yourself. It because there are words that you're supposed to say, and it's really weird. It's just really weird. Not comfortable doing it. <laughs> I remember doing Ted Lasso with um, with Thierry Henry. Um, the f- I think it was, I'd done two seasons. I think it was the second season. It was the first time we'd done it and we went down out West London somewhere and we're in the studios and we get there, um, you know, quite early and they were overrunning and overrunning and overrunning. So me and Thierry sat in our dressing room. We were running the lines together. We'd, so we're trying to learn our lines for this thing. And, and it went on and on. And we must have spent, honestly, four or five hours learning our lines. And we thought, right, we, we, we've sort of got them, but we're still a bit nervous going into the set. And we get into the studio and our lines are written on these big billboards. They're all everywhere, so we can't. We, really? Yeah, <laughs> we just, so we're just wasting four hours of our lives. <laughs> but actually, I think it made it. And they were there right in front of you. We were still wooden as you could possibly be anyway, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but there we go. Andrew Houghton asks, with the Euros coming up, who do you think has an outside shot of making the England squad who hasn't necessarily been in any past England camps? I got one. Kobe Mainu. He's very young, but boy, he's impressive. He's brilliant again at the weekend, I thought. I mean, I think Gareth has his players. I'm not, I'm not sure there'll be anyone in there that'll be a huge surprise, are you? Cole Palmer, I think he's already been around things a little bit. I would, I think he might make the squad. Yeah, special talent, mm. I think. Possibility, yeah, possibility. I'm not sure that Gareth will, because I, I, he has his, he has his core of his squad, and he, he understands who they are and what they are and what they can do for them. So, I'm not sure there'll be any new faces. Possibly a central defender, Branthwaite, maybe. Just, maybe, just saying, yeah, if he finishes maybe. the season re- really strong, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a possibility in, in, in that particular position. We shall see. Right, Alan, let's take a little breather. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to the Rest is Football question and answer episode with uh, Alan Shearer and myself, Gary Lineker. And uh, got a nice long question here from Andres. I'm an Ecuadorian that grew up in Kenya in the late 80s and early 90s when my father introduced me to football via the World Cup Italia 90. I now live in New York City. I was mesmerised by all the drama, passion, stories and the beautiful game that was the centre of it all. After the World Cup, I wanted more and didn't want to wait until the next World Cup and so all that was available to me in Kenya was the English First Division and I picked Tottenham as I've been impressed by Gaza and Gary, uh, both at the time playing for Spurs. I followed Spurs and that first year of me being a fan, we won the FA Cup. I thought I picked a great team. I'm still waiting for the next trophy, League Cup notwithstanding, 33 years later. Uh, what is your earliest memory of a moment player tournament that absolutely mesmerised you about football and you knew that is all you would want to do for the rest of your life? Love the pod. Brings me so much joy. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Andres. Your first memory, Alan? Oh, I, I think the FA Cup, you know, when... I mean, we've spoken about before on uh, when we've done shows in the FA Cup that what it used to be like, because it used to be a full day of it, didn't it, where cameras were were, were on at, I don't know, 10 or, 10 or 11 o'clock and they followed the teams right the way through, all the way to Wembley and the hotels and, and all of that, where you had a, probably a bit a lot more access to the players and the football clubs then. I mean, I remember, what was it, at Coventry going there, Keith Houchin, wasn't it? Spurs, um, Coventry Spurs. Spurs. Yeah. Uh, I remember, obviously, Arsenal going there. Mm. and I mean, he, he thinks it's bad being a Tottenham fan that starved of success. He should try being a Newcastle fan. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, so, yeah, it was, the, yeah. it was the FA Cup and all those memories for me. Yeah. I'll never forget, uh, it's probably my earliest memory now, not just of football, of anything, I think. I was seven years old. Um uh, and went to Filbert Street with my dad and my granddad and saw my first ever live game, Leicester City versus Manchester United. Um, with with yeah. the holy trinity of, of Lord Charlton and Best. Um, Leicester lost 2-1. But I was absolutely mesmerised by the performance of the Leicester City goalkeeper who made about six saves and stopped Leicester being battered. And I think he's the reason um, that I stuck with Leicester because I could easily have gone with Man United that day. Um, because Oof. they because they won, and I was seeing some of the great players, obviously, in the world. But but a certain Peter Shilton in goal, all right, uh, yeah. won me over that day. Uh, uh, I'll never forget it. My next memory was probably losing the FA Cup final when I went with my dad and my granddad again all the way down to to, to Wembley to watch Leicester lose to Manchester City one nil, a Neil Young goal, and cried all the <laughs> way home on the train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I had to wait a long time for Leicester to win the FA Cup isn't it crazy what football does to you isn't it's it? mad it isn't is, it? it is how much it takes over and the thing is as you as you get older as as we are um, yes you too Alan <laughs> it just stays with you it's, it gets worse if not better I think you get more emotional and it, it seems to matter more I always thought oh, when, I I, when I've finished playing I, I won't care so much but actually I don't it's just mad how that, <laughs> is, yeah. that crazy. fan thing and that, I don't know, tribalism or whatever it is. It is. It's mad. What a game. Yeah. Um, question from Alex. In your opinions, who was Liverpool's greatest striker? Rush, Fowler, Owen, Torres, 
or Suarez. Well, Daglish, no, is that what you'd call him? Well, yeah, Daglish was more of a 10, wasn't he? Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah, I, yeah. I think that they mean a nine, don't they? An out and out yeah. nine. Um, Got to be Rushy, hasn't it? Got to be Ian Rush, no? He's up there. I mean, he was obviously the, the second best striker of his time. <laughs> <laughs> I used, yeah, no. Oh, Rushy, Rushy was unbelievable. Wonderful finisher. But I'd Suarez, you know. I mean, really? Stephen Gerrard says he's the best player he's ever played with. He's probably a better all-round footballer than Rushy, but not much in it. Ian Rush for me, okay. definitely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree. Rob Lowe, you've all played with great players. Is there any one player you'd all love to have played with from any era. Well, there's a few, aren't they? From any era. I'll go Messi for a start. <laughs> Imagine playing with him. Cool. I think I've said it before, you know, I, th- I would have liked to have played with Rooney, Wayne Rooney. Yeah. I think he would have been brilliant to play alongside. He had everything as well. So Rooney for me. Mm. Good shout. Good shout. Russell Cleaver, which season do you regard as your best and why? Oh, that's a good question. It is, isn't it? Ooh, ah. For me, it's probably had to be uh, 94. 95 when we won the league at Blackburn yeah I thought you might say that it would have to it would have to be that season I think I got 37 in total I think it was 34 in the league it would have to be that one yeah I thought you might go for that one I'd actually go with my season at Everton which was 85 86 where I scored 40 goals in all comps did you 40 it's amazing well, we were banned from Europe as well um, yeah, at yeah. that stage. So 30 league and, and then obviously went on to, to win the Golden Boot in Mexico as well. So that that would have to yeah. Uh, yeah. be my best season, I would say. Paul Jennings asks, Hi lads, love the pod. Uh, love listening in from uh, the west of Ireland. Uh, thank you. Uh, question for all of you. <laughs> you all have been to international tournaments as pundits. Which tournament was your favourite and why? Cool. We've been lucky. I mean, I, I oh, my first we? one was Germany, two thousand and six. Then I mean, we've been to South Africa. We've been to Brazil, haven't we? I think for football and wise and stories, you know, the last one was the best one. Yeah, I I would say the last one for one reason that it was unique because it was such a tiny country, tiny state that we could get to all the games that we covered and actually be in the stadiums, whereas normally, of course, for a major tournament, which will be the case in Berlin, um, for the majority of it, we'll be in a studio base and do the games there, i.e. watching on monitors on television sets. So the the Qatar one, um, plus the final, which we were lucky enough to yeah. be actually at the stadium, It was um, and it was such a phenomenal game that I would say, I would say probably... Uh, Qatar. I'd agree. But Germany will be good. I think Germany yeah, will be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It was my, going back there because, as you said, it was it was my first one in 2006. We were based in, in Berlin as we're, uh, we're going to be this summer as well, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant, that one. Sean. Hi, lads. Uh, Ferguson got silverware in Scotland and Europe before coming to England and dominating. Pep has always had... Very talented teams playing under him during his success. Does this stop him from taking Ferguson's throne as best manager? Who else is in the conversation for you? I think you're always going to have who's been the best. Who's, I mean, it's it's always difficult to compare, isn't it? I mean, when you you look at the great managers over the years, I mean, Bob Paisley and at, at Liverpool and pe- people like that. I mean, the the, the greats, they're, they're greats in in their era, which doesn't, you, you don't necessarily have to say, well, he's better than the other one. Do you know what I mean? The both or all of them have done amazing jobs because to, 
to come in and, I don't want to say dominate, but to come in and win as much and do as well as they have done is, is, is just incredible, you know, to keep that, to keep it going because everyone wants to knock you off that perch. So you've got to respect who and what they are. Absolutely. I mean, Pep Guardiola's, I think, is something else. I mean, he's, he's obviously, yes, he's done it at top clubs because the great managers do end up at top clubs, hence... Yeah. Um, Sir Alex yeah. ending up at Manchester United. It's interesting. I don't think there's any way that um, Sir Alex Ferguson would have had the success he had at Manchester United now because he probably wouldn't have been allowed the time because he had about yeah. three years where they really struggled. Um, so <laughs> it just shows you a bit of patience with the manager can reap rewards. Um, but obviously yeah, exactly. it was, um, his record's unbelievable, particularly in the Premier Phenomenal. League. But I always think with the, the way Pep improves players and, and particularly improves the game, and has, has, has transformed football in, in, in many ways. But, um, you know, they're both greats. There's no question about that. Another question from Ireland, very popular this week. Um, Hi, Alan, Gary and Mr. Creosote. Well, Mr. Creosote's not here. <laughs> uh, love the podcast. I would like to ask who are the best Irish players that you guys have played with and against from Fergal in Ireland? Oh, well, Fergal, I... I, I I played with Kevin Sheedy at Everton. He was fantastic. Keane would have to be one against. Yeah, Brock yeah. Keane would have been against. Yeah, Paul McGrath. Do you know? I was just going to mention Paul McGrath because I found him he the most brilliant difficult player. central defender to play against because he was strong, aggressive, incredibly quick. Um, yeah. Read the game brilliantly. Um, I was I was going to say Paul McGrath, um, and I, I did play yeah. against Roy Keane, but he was very young when I played against yeah. him. You'd have played against yeah. him in his prime, but obviously, no, loads of times. Yeah, yeah. He, was, uh, he was he was a great player, a great leader as well, wasn't he? I mean, he was just fantastic. Yeah. I also made my debut again, my full debut, my first start for England against Ireland um, at Wembley way back, and. Uh, I scored in that game, and so did a certain Liam Brady. Oh, Liam Brady, what a player. He was fantastic. What an unbelievably good footballer. Chippy Brady, Chippy, Arsenal yeah. and yeah. Ireland, of course. Lovely man as well, lovely yeah, man. Yeah, really is. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Great way to finish. That's it from our question and answer episode. We'll be back later in the week, hopefully with Big Meeks and all the stories <laughs> from Vegas. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. We'll be pinging the questions at him this time. We certainly shall be. <laughs> um, well, from now, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, <laughs> or people will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check 
Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.